previously on. See you in another life, brothers. Excuse me, is that my watch you have there? Oh, is it yours? I found it and was putting it on my arm for safekeeping. Well, why, yes it is. <laughs> Would you like it back? I can give it to you now. No, that won't do. How come? Well, you see, I work for a very important man, and I am duty-bound to protect that watch. I have sworn an oath that if I were ever to find someone like yourself wearing it, I would have no choice but to beat the living snot out of that person. Well, uh, I would be happy to save you the time and give it back to you now. No, I, I really think we're going to have to make a whole episode about this. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of See You in Another Life, Brothers, the show where we watch Lost and continue to watch Lost until the Lost is over, which <laughs> will be a while. So we're going to be here for a while, folks. This is only six. We got hundreds more to go. Oh, man. But uh, it's it's delightful because I get to talk about Lost with my bro from the same mother, Andy! Hello! Yes, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be... Hold, hold on, hold on. I'm not done. Oh! Uh, okay, I'm done. Okay, Sorry. wow. I, I I really feel bad for interrupting that special moment. Um, it's okay. I, uh, I forgive you. Thank you. I, I can't believe I botched my own introduction there. Um, no, yeah. no, it's not. You didn't botch it. You just you got you got excited. That's okay, kid. That's okay. It happens. Okay, I'm still still new to this whole podcasting thing. You know, yeah. uh, it's a crazy world we're in right now. <laughs> audio medium. Yeah. Yep. And uh, six six episodes in, man, it's it's crazy how much has already happened in some ways in in the series at this point. Like uh, the amount of stuff that has already you know gone into motion when you think about the series as a whole but also um so much to come like it's this is a long series you know when you think about it but um i'm excited as we're as we're at the beginning of another rewatch i know both of us watched this series several times over um but there's there's so much in this episode and in all the episodes we've watched so far that i've already that i've forgotten about and been surprised almost as we've watched but but it's fun, yeah. and so I'm excited. Yeah, you know, they lift a lot of weight in these first few episodes. It it really it the, some impressive character building they do in just you know six episodes so far. We've we've really gotten to know. I feel like you know, Jack Locke. We're, we're starting to really understand these characters, and then of course today I feel I feel like the first thing I'll say about the episode we're talking about, House of the Rising Sun, is that. I just I was amazed at how well we got to know Sun in this episode. How mm-hmm. just you before this episode, you know, you're the, the Korean couple, not re, not quite sure. We know that there's some uh, conflict between them, but in this episode, I feel like you've lived it with Sun. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. how I felt at by the end of it. It's quite an emotional journey. Um, yeah, I I agree, and also um, I feel like by the by kind of the the last flashback scene, I was um, I just kept thinking, um, man, two 
amazing actors on this series that I feel like go very, that are very underrated are Yoon Jin mm-hmm. Kim and Daniel Day Kim. Like both of them are just so good. Um, and I feel like they don't, they're not the first people that get recognized very often, you know, and I mean, and it, for good reason, in, in some ways, you know, it's a series with so many good actors, uh, such a big ensemble cast, but, but both of them in this episode are phenomenal and, and do such a good job in the series as a whole. But it, especially this episode, I was just uh, amazed by what, what both of them were able to do, um, even just with, with very like small nuanced things throughout um, the episode, the way they interact with each other and just little little moments that really pay off throughout um yeah it's it's a very good episode and an an episode that i feel like i don't i don't remember a lot of until or at least i at the beginning of the episode i was like wait what happens in these flashbacks you know i Mm -hmm. i was kind of remembering different episodes of them and uh it was it was fun to see exactly where they go over the course of the episode but but yeah yeah very, very good yeah, it's interesting. Um, with Jin and Sun episodes, I always have this, where, um, as you may know, I've memorized all the episodes <laughs> of Lost, and I could also say which characters they are. When it comes to Jin and Sun episodes, I'm always like, oh, yeah, it's a Jin and Sun flashback. But you forget, because, you know, every episode is a focus on one character. It's not the, the flashbacks. It's not like they focus on both Jin and Sun. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get both Jin and Sun, obviously, because they're intertwined but um this you know it's like is it more of a gin episode or more of a sun episode and this one is more of a sun episode for sure i guess i should have guessed that from the title house of the rising sun Um, (laughs) sure but um but it's it's you know what i what i agree with what you're saying about um the two of them great actors and these two characters i feel like they're underrated in the scope of lost where I think they're a really important duo at Jin and son, because it's really the show exploring kind of a lot of its themes in the context of a marriage. I mean, we get that a little bit with other, uh, other characters like Rose and Bernard. We get that much later, um, mm-hmm. but not nearly as much as Jin and son are the married couple of lost. Um, and I think that's important to explore, you know, themes of, you know, uh, connection and uh, separation, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. when it comes to this married couple who, you know, very clearly love each other. Um, but a lot of times circumstances and just choices and, uh, you know, personal things can get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a... They're two very important characters. So, yeah. And I am Definitely. excited to talk about them. Yep. So, uh, would you, uh, you want to jump right into the episode? I don't know if you have anything to talk about up top. Any other thoughts overall on House of the Rising Sun before we dig in? Um, I don't think so. I, as we're talking about those two actors, just do you remember? Isn't, I feel like Daniel Day Kim, he didn't speak. Korean, right? Like he he had to learn all of his lines. Do you remember this? Oh, that sounds a little familiar. Um, I was just trying to remember it as I was watching the episode. I should have should have looked it up. Maybe I can look it up later. But um, I feel like that was one thing that, like, I think Yoon Jin Kim knew. 
Korean and had to, I feel like I remember them saying she had to help him with some of that stuff. And some, some people even said like, like native uh, speakers said that they, um, his accent is not the best um, in it or something. But um, Mm. at the same time, it's like, well, give him some credit. Mm -hmm. He was, (laughs) he's an English speaker who was learning (laughs) another language (laughs) and trying to act like he, he had known it Mm -hmm. his whole life, you know? Um, but I just thought that was something else throughout the, the episode, like, like, man, give that guy some, some recognition, you know, for, for not only acting really well throughout the episode, but also, you know, communicating in a language that is not his own or, you know, like not the one he grew up with. Um, yeah, it, that was, that was the only thing I was thinking of as far as behind the scenes stuff, but, but yeah, let's, let's jump in. Yeah. You bring up that. I do think I remember some of that. I think he obviously did speak some Korean. That would be insane if he didn't. Sure. <laughs> he had to completely learn the language to do the role. But sure. I think, yeah, he'd never actually acted in Korean before, I don't think. So oh, okay. That, that's probably I it. I think that's what it was. But that's impressive. I mean, to do a whole show. I mean, that's the... Daniel Day Kim, you think about, what's he known for? He's known for Lost. That's your premier role and you're doing it in a language you're not totally familiar with that's mm-hmm. really impressive so kudos kudos danny boy nice job <laughs> sorry good to call job you danny, danny boy, boy. <laughs> he probably hates that he's probably gonna hunt me down if he listens to this and he's a scary man as we see in this episode so i don't want him to do that <laughs> okay i'll get over it daniel don't don't hurt me um yeah so house of the rising sun uh i think we Dive right in. We start with, of course, the two main uh, focuses of the show, Sun and Jin. And we focus on Sun in the opening. Um, And I think this opening scene uh, with her on the island, you know, she's, uh, first of all, she's found a flower, which I think is important. She's got the flower in her hands. She's Mm -hmm. sniffing it. And she's looking at a couple different things. She's looking at Jack and Kate. Um who are over there doing Jack and Kate style flirting. Um, <laughs> and then they, she's looking over at her husband who's fishing um, and uh, getting really, getting really irritated with the fish and beating it on something. Not sure what quite what he was doing there, but um, I think that scene to me, um, it said, all, it, I just loved how much it said about her. Um because so far with Sun, I think in the whole scope of the show, we know there's some conflict between her and her husband, but we never really got quite what it was. And I think even before the flashback, we kind of get it, we see it because she's looking at Kate and Jack, who are clearly at the beginning of a relationship. And they're clearly, you know, they like each other and they're, you know, having fun, flirting. Um, I think it's interesting because if you watch that the first. The first time you watch that, you, you still don't know Sun speaks English, so you could kind of, you, you don't really quite understand the significance. She's just, you think of her just kind of looking at them, go, maybe she doesn't know what they're talking about, but, you know, mm-hmm. when you realize she speaks English, she knows what they're talking about. She hears them, and it clearly makes her think about the beginning of her and Jin's relationship, because that's where, where the flashback goes, but... Mm-hmm. Um, Clearly here, she's looking at her husband and something, something has gone amiss. Um, it sets up the episode great uh, because clearly there's something uh, that's gone wrong between the two of them. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that opening scene really does do a lot um, and really rewards a rewatch because, yeah, I mean, like the the finding a flower, um, seeing, you know, uh, Jack and Kate you know, at the beginning of a relationship, uh, flirting with each other and all of that stuff. Yeah. Both, both of those things really symbolize something, you know, that we see in the flashback, um, reminds her of her and Jin from years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. and at the same time, she's seeing the contrast between that and Jin today. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and their, you know, relationship as it stands today. Yeah, they. I love the the subtlety of it because yeah, at the beginning of the episode, you think, oh, okay, we're we're going to be focusing on Sun, and then she's having to watch everyone else and not understand them and all that, you know. Um, but then it it gives mm-hmm. it so much more meaning later. Um, kind of reminds me of as we're talking about it. Reminds me of uh, Walkabout. You know how that begins with the shot of Locke waking up and. Uh, finally being able to uh, move his foot and stuff, but it doesn't have any significance at that moment, really, until you see it again later. Um, and yeah, I just, I love the subtlety of things like that, that really reward uh, a rewatch. Um, they do a mm-hmm. lot of that throughout the whole series, but but especially in these opening episodes, I think. Yeah, and that the, the fact that she is, I, I, I don't think I've ever really paid much attention to the fact that she's holding a flower when she's looking Mm-hmm. Jack and Kate looking at her husband, which the flower comes to symbolize something interesting as the episode goes on. So really well done there. Um, mm-hmm. Symbolism. Um, so yeah, that leads us right into the flashback where we get um, the first glimpse of what they were like back when they just started having the relationship. Um, we It's communicated very, very well. Um in the fact that uh, we see Sun was high status, Jin was low status. Mm-hmm. We get that he's the waiter, she's the princess, basically. Um, and but uh, clearly she likes something about this guy. Um, and then we get their conversation between the two of them, um, which sets up really the dichotomy between Jin and Sun. The the difference, the main thing. In that, you know, Sun says she wants to elope, um, wants to just get out and go. Um, And Jin says, no, I have to get your father's permission first because it's Mm -hmm. the right thing to do. Um, Really, that's the that's the central conflict. It's Sun um, just wants to be be with Jin and run away. And Jin can't let that he can't. And I think it has something to do with the fact that, you know, he's, there's the two different, they're from two different worlds. He's from the world where he's had to build himself up and she's from the world where she's had to live and just, you know, she's lived in privilege, but she's, she doesn't, she knows that that's not um, where she wants to be, where she's happiest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and both of them in that moment, you know, in that conversation, like they're, the the biggest thing is that they're both in love and they both want to like they both have good intentions um in that scene Mm -hmm. um but because of the you know kind of differing ways about going about it 
that they both want to do, that kind of sets the trajectory for the story that's told in this episode. You know, Jin needing to do, to go through these hoops because it's the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, I guess as the episode goes on, it's like, at what cost? Um, yeah. You know, for, for that where, you know, maybe Sun had some some foresight and saying, you know, like, we don't need to do any of that stuff. Like, we just need to be together. Um, yeah, it's a it's a very good way to set up yeah. um, the episode, as well as, yeah, like, I love the the way they don't overtly say anything, like, like, but Jin, you're, you're in a lower class setting or something, you know, it's like, no, he's uh, just very clearly, like, they're kind of making sure they're not seen when they're together, and he's the waiter and all of that stuff. Um, I just love that they don't clearly spell anything out for you, but it's all just very visual, um, mm-hmm. very clearly just communicated through um, through kind of the subtleties of their dialogue and all of that stuff and, and what they're trying to, um, to hide uh, from others in that moment. But yeah. I think the the line that is very telling and that I find really interesting is when Jin, when uh, Sun says um, it's the only chance we have in reference to running away. Mm. Just that is interesting. It's like it's almost desperate um, mm-hmm. in that. And then she's then Jin says she says you don't know my father, <laughs> and <Jin> says <laughs> I I know me, but she's saying no you don't get it. This guy is, he's the worst kind of um, manipulator or worst kind of people user, that sort of mm. thing. That kind of, I, I equate Sun's father to sort of the um, the con man, um, almost a Sawyer type in that mm. he's, he's a very powerful man, but he's, he's, he's using people to get what he wants, basically. Um, and... Sun knows, Jin, he's going to use you to to get what he wants. He's going to be ruthless when he does it. Um, on the other side, we see Jin saying, but no, no, I know myself. He seems so confident that he knows what's right, that uh, he can survive anything, um, mm. which is debatable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think what, what's, yeah, what's brilliant about Jin and Sun is that there's, both of their sides of the argument basically or not the argument, but basically the debate here is are, are, are um, viable or they're, you can understand both of them. There's not necessarily one right answer. I don't know if you would agree with that or not, but yeah, I, like... I, I would. And well, it's interesting, you know, as we're describing like the, the situation between the two of them, as well as like this kind of outside party with son's father um it it kind of plays into some of the themes of the series as a whole with you know uh powerful figures you know almost using these other characters um as pawns or you know smaller figures in a in a larger game at play you know you think of Mm -hmm. like the jacob and the man in man in black and then you know, or even like on a on a somewhat smaller scale, like the others, and um, you know the the battle for the island between like um, oh my gosh, I can't think of uh, Ben and 
Widmore mm-hmm. and all Widmore, of that yeah. stuff. And, um, you know, using characters like, uh, even like Desmond and any of the other one, you know, the, the people from the crash and all that stuff as almost sort of just pieces in this larger game at play. Um, this series is, you know, telling within that context, the story of the people who are just trying to survive through it, you know, um, mm-hmm. Jin and Son and, um, you know, it, it tells the story of like those larger, like the good versus evil type stuff or, or the people fighting over the island and everything. But, um, but like, there are so many beautiful little stories happening where the people who are affected by all of those bigger circumstances, um, are trying to, you know, be together or just survive or uh, figure out how they can uh, make it through it all. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, they're, they're, they're both just trying to accomplish that and do it together. But, um, and they both have viable and very like earnest, um, hopes, uh, for what they want to do. But yeah, they, they approach it from different sides and the consequences are, are very clear throughout the episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's, we have two perspectives and both of them are well-meaning son who wants to just be with Jin and just go away and just the two of them be together um, with just her flower, you know, Jin Mm -hmm. gives her a flower and she's happy with that. That's all she needs. Jin, on the other hand, wants to give her the world, wants to give her a diamond. Um, Mm -hmm. And he, he's, he's willing to go do whatever it takes to get there. Um, So they two two uh, people who love each other clearly, um, but Jin willing to do whatever it takes in that scene. I love how the, the flashback getting back to the episode, the flashback ends. It ends abruptly cutting back to the Island with Jin. I don't know if you noticed this, but Jin running past sun and stepping on her flower. Oh, I didn't notice that. I think that because it's a very quick cut, but I, I think they intentionally put that in there. He steps on the flower as he's running toward Michael. Um, and I think that's just such a brilliant, brilliant symbolism there in that Jin is willing to do whatever it takes for the love of his life, um, mm-hmm. including inadvertently trampling her flower. Um, mm-hmm. And, the, you know, because the reason he's going after Michael which I, you know, you can look at that and go, well, Jin is just, that's an overreaction. Um, you could say that it's not, but the reason he's going after Michael so fiercely is because he loves son. Um, it's not because of, you know, the watch mm-hmm. or anything. It's because he loves son so much that he needs to protect her father's watch at any cost, because if he doesn't protect that watch, he'd lose her. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, it's one of those where Jin is so noble that he inadvertently became uh, tr- a guy who accidentally tramples his wife's flower um, mm-hmm. and attacks a guy wild. who who didn't know any better. You know, I mean, yeah. like mm-hmm. Jin from the first flashback, you know, brought to present day, you know, um, might have gone about that a much more sensible way. 
But like, as we see throughout the episode, it seems like he, um, along the way becomes like this hardened version of himself because he's, you know, learned through uh, his experience with son's father working for him and all that, that the, the way to get what you need done is through, you know, your fists and, and through mm-hmm. violence and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it works on so many levels that he tramples the flower and runs to do all that stuff um, and fight someone and everything, because this is present day Jin, um, no longer the guy who um, just wants to show his love through something as simple as a flower or anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we get the scene where he <laughs> he beats up he he be, does he beat up um, Michael in this scene or does it stunt double because it pretty much seemed like <laughs> I noticed it this time I know you're mentioning it in the last one but so clearly not Jin in a lot of those shots I couldn't believe it when I was watching I'm like oh my gosh these are long cuts where yeah. you just clearly see his stunt double I'd never <laughs> noticed that before but I think because you mentioned it in the last one mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm seeing it but. Yeah, so the stunt double's got some act, got some uh, camera time there. Yep, <laughs> uh, beating each other up in the in the surf, and then of course Sawyer and Saeed, or you know Sawyer and Saeed stunt doubles, whichever, come and save <laughs> them and get the handcuffs, and we get the iconic handcuff, um, Jin. I, I just oh like yeah that, that's the origin because he has that cuff on for quite a while afterwards but yeah i forgot that he had it on for so long afterwards i, I man that's so funny the uh mm-hmm. well what i what i noticed about the handcuffs in this episode um i don't know if you made a note of this either but saeed is like go get the handcuffs and sawyer has them in his pocket already so he was just carrying yeah. them around mm-hmm. and i just thought that was just kind of a funny little moment like oh sawyer was was ready for (laughs) for anything you know uh for someone to be out of line or something or he just wanted to have you know them on himself uh, at any time anyway um when he like accused like kate and saeed of being the sheriff and in the previous episode i think or or maybe the Mm -hmm. one before um but the fact that he was still carrying around the handcuffs i just thought was was a good little moment for his character yeah and as a side note i will note again in this episode um saeed has a few moments saeed really is the sheriff at this point Mm -hmm. he's he lit michael literally calls him sheriff again um but uh i do find it interesting just it's not a focus of the episode so i won't i'll just mention it but when Jack and he are talking later in the episode and Saeed's saying, yes, I'm going to take his wife aside. We will figure it out. And Jack says, you sure you don't want me to talk about, talk to her. You got it under control. And he's like, Oh yeah. I'm, I'm like, these guys sound like they're law enforcement officers. It's just, it's, <laughs> it, they are the leaders of the, of the group. And I'm thinking, what must other people think of these, these guys? It's like uh, another show we watch where it's a uh, community, you know, mm-hmm. where, they got the, the the main group of seven and then everyone else you get sometimes you get their perspective <laughs> on it and they're like they're always talking about themselves they're always yep <laughs> yeah i mean you do wonder i've always wondered like there's there's 40 people you know 40 mm-hmm. 46 people from the plane at this point or whatever 
Yeah. And I I forget how many are all the main characters. I don't know how many if you if you counted it up, but yeah. there's a sizable amount of people that we never learn their names and what must they think of everything that's going on throughout this whole series. Man. Mm-hmm. They yeah. they could make a whole a whole series about all the other people just on the outskirts, you know, probably a comedy because they would just be like, Oh, those yeah. people are so full of themselves, you know? It'd mostly just be arts and getting in a lot of trouble and uh, <laughs> Nikki and Paolo being terrible. Oh, Nikki and, the, and Paolo. The, uh, the Frogert guy. You got to throw oh, him in there. Scott yeah. and Steve. Um, Steve and <laughs> Scott, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And it's, yeah. it just struck me as funny. But back to Jin and Son. So, of course, Jin gets handcuffed. Um, and then we, you know, we Sun is obviously upset about everything. And we go to uh, another flashback, I think, is the next thing we get in the episode where um, we see uh, how, you know, Jin coming up to Sun and explaining to her, uh, <laughs> trying to play like it didn't work out and then surprising her with her father mm-hmm. approved. Um, and then I think it's interesting in this scene uh, just to note how Jin, how Jin describes it, where he says, I reasoned with him and mm-hmm. we came to the, to the agreement that uh, one year of uh, whatever it was, two, basically two years of working for him. We came to that agreement. Um, that's not what happened at all. Of course, I, it's Jin's right. father basically told him um, what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Jin, Jin is so consumed with honor and just doing the right thing and uh, being, you know, earning, uh, earning what he gets, earning the, this son who he loves and earning this great, you know, to actually make something of himself that uh, he's telling himself these stories that he's, you know, I, I am, you know, I, I'm making something of myself instead of what he's doing, which is basically just, he's being held hostage by her father or mm-hmm. not held hot, but being used, manipulated. Um, and, uh, but it's worth it to him because he can now give her the diamond. So, um, yep. And you know. yeah, the, the next gift, you know, that he gives her and, you know, that's kind of, one of the themes of the episode that you can tell where they're at in their journey in some ways by like, he first gives her a flower because that's all he can, you know, give her at that point. Now he, he has finally worked himself up to this point where, um, like I think in that scene, yeah, he's seeing it all through, through, you know, rose colored glasses. Like he, he, um, feels like he did reason with her dad, even though he's going to have to, to work mm-hmm. and everything. Like he, he's on top of the world because he gets to marry son. He gets to be with her and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. And he can provide the ring. Like she says, you know, you can't afford this. And he says, I can now. Um, and so at this point, you know, he's on top of the world because he can do all this stuff. Um but, you know, again, the two different perspectives from Sun's perspective, this is not a not the ideal scenario. She knows that um, working for her father is not um, the right thing. 
Um, but at the, the end of the day, she, she also just wants to be together with him, you know? So it's, it's interesting how the, you know, their moods kind of shift throughout that scene where he, they're so happy, you know, once he says, you know, like, it's all going to, we're going to be together. But when she learns how, um, that's really the downfall of the scene, uh, for her, um, you know, she doesn't, she can see the consequences ahead, uh, but he doesn't yet. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just upsetting, but yeah. A thought occurs to me as we're talking about this, it is interesting how throughout this whole episode, um, for the most part, how passive son's character is, Mm. um, in, in everything, you know, she, she chooses to be with Jin. That's active, but then it's just it, she. She wants to run away. She's you know, and Jin's saying no. We have to do it this way, and she's just going along with it, um, which is really uh, it. It you, that's why I'm saying you really uh, feel for Sun by the end mm-hmm. of this episode. You really understand her because you, you feel that frustration with her. You're like, oh. I know what you want to do. I know what you want this to be, you, but there's the one you want to run away with doesn't want to run away. Right. Um, so it's completely understandable where she, in a way, in one way it's understandable in another way, not so much, but how she just decides to run away at, at the end of the episode. Um, mm-hmm. Cause that's what she wants to do. And she can't get anyone in her life to do that with her. Jin. Mm-hmm. So, but um yeah, so Jin says he's going to work for Sun's father cuz it's the right thing to do. Um and then uh as the episode goes on, the next next flashback we see Jin obviously feels bad that he's has to work so much. Mm-hmm. So he tries to make up for it by getting her a dog. Um which it it's a it's a sweet thing to do um clearly he still cares for her that's what that shows but uh i I think it's telling how son responds where she says remember when all you had to get me was a flower um just yeah frustrating just a yeah just a a gift that shows you know his love for her but is not you know i mean obviously like the the dog isn't a replacement for him, but he's saying, you know, because I'm not around, here's something, you know, for you to not feel lonely. And Mm -hmm. like that, like that's a very, like that is a sweet idea to think of something like that. And, you know, he presents it in a very sweet way, but it's also, you know, kind of almost saying, uh, you know, here's to make up for the fact that, um, I, you don't see me very much anymore. Here's, here's a gift, you know, like sweep it under the rug type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I love that line. Remember when all you had to give me was a flower because it, um, it just shows like over time how, how much has changed for the two of them and how important it is for Sun throughout the entire episode where she's looking back to that time when, um, when it was clear that they just wanted to be together without any of the consequences that have been um, coming up since then, you know, like uh, Jin trying to pay the price to be with her. Um, Mm -hmm. She doesn't want him to have to do that. She just wants to be able to go somewhere. 
Um, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a very it, it's a sad progression as you see throughout. But yeah, like you're saying, you know, you can understand her frustration and you can understand a lot more of her character. Um, and and you're getting to see uh, Jin's character too. You know, he wasn't always. I love throughout the episode how surprising it is at this point to see him be so caring and so mm-hmm. kind throughout. But you can also see in each flashback the progression that's leading to, oh, he's he's getting into, you know, like at this point just working too many hours, um, which is, you know, leading towards something bad. Um, and eventually it gets worse. But um, just throughout the episode, the steady progression of him becoming like a hardened version of himself. Um, yeah. Yeah, it explains a lot that we've already seen between the two of them. Yep, throughout, it's sort of, it's interesting as you're talking about this, how this episode builds um, mm-hmm. to a point where so we see Sun, and as I'm talking, she's passive. Um, we're seeing these things happen to her, both on the island and off the island. On the island, it's just, she's in, she's seeing her her husband um, basically get handcuffed and try and burn he's going to burn in the sun unless mm-hmm. she does something and uh, in you know in the flashback she's seeing her husband get worse and worse um and she's just she has to you know eventually she's going to have to she's moving towards a place where she's going to make a choice um so the question of course is what will her choice be mm-hmm. um and i think that's a good time to leave it at a cliffhanger Well, we take a commercial break. Would you agree? Oh, it's the perfect time. All right. Well, not a commercial break. I don't know if we're going to do commercials, but we will take a quick break (laughs) and we'll be back with more. See you in another life, brothers, after this. Welcome back to See You in Another Life, brothers. Uh, We are talking about House of the Rising Sun. Um, And when we left off, Sun had some choices to make. Um, Jin is uh, in a bit of a predicament on the island. Um, I think that's really the next scene we're kind of looking at. I think this is an interesting scene. It's kind of a short little one in there with Jin and Sun on the island and Jin and Sun trying to really treat, you know, Jin's wrist. It's getting raw. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to, she says, basically tells Jin, hey, I need, we need to do something. I need to, do, maybe if I could reason with them or something. And Jin as says the natural thing, what are you going to do? How are you going to communicate with them? You don't speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then he, the next line he says, and it's very interesting. It's your place is by my side. We don't have to explain ourselves to a thief. You know, he's just hmm. the, your place is by my sideline is really kind of interesting because it sort of shows where their relationship has been, where Jin is so just consumed with making everything right for son that he's not, I think it kind of shows that he's um, sort of oblivious to what it's actually doing to her, mm-hmm. um, where she's been so passive this whole time. It's, it's, it's making her want to leave and he's just kind of, he can't see that he's got blinders on. He wants to protect her. And so your place is by my side. is like, you no, you can't, don't you do anything. I will provide for you basically. Right. And yeah, I mean, you know, we learn in the episode, you know, later on that she, 
she was considering leaving him and, and all of that stuff. And for him, you know, this just shows, yeah, he's totally oblivious to um, where she's at emotionally because he's just concerned with, um, well, the, what is proper is that she's by my side. You know, he's not thinking about um, emotionally, like all of that stuff, how she might be actually feeling about all of this. Um, and he's just completely blind to, um, you know, what, how he's almost lost her, um, in a lot of ways. Um, he's just thinking about, you know, your, your proper place is right here. You know, I'll, we'll, we'll just figure it out or whatever. We don't have to explain ourselves to a thief, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting to, uh, just like a little, little note from the episode, um, son trying to explain to them what's going on in, in, I think an earlier scene when they handcuff him, she motions, like yeah. she points at a wrist and it's so perfect because they think she's trying to say, you know, get these handcuff handcuffs off my husband. Um, and she's just trying to tell them it, it's all about a watch, <laughs> you know, that was yeah. such a perfect way to kind of explain away like oh she tried to communicate but you know uh, obviously it was misinterpreted mm -hmm. yeah i like that moment too that's just that once again imminently rewatchable this show because you you wouldn't get that the first time mm -hmm. you watch it you're like oh that's just that's brilliant that's clever what they did there yep um yeah and it, it jen is oblivious to son. I think he's oblivious sort of he's, he's living in his own reality in a way where he's, you know, he's calling Michael a thief. He's like, this guy is a thief. Mm -hmm. Even though he's, he's just a guy who found a watch on, you know, it, it, it's so you feel, feel really bad for Michael. I think we should take a moment. To, <laughs> this guy has had it so rough. <laughs> I mean, he got mauled by a boar just yeah. a couple episodes ago. <laughs> and now he gets just randomly beat up on the beach. Um, he's already walking with a limp. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I like to imagine. Better. Yeah. I like to imagine that in, in this scene, the other side of that opening scene, uh, Michael is talking to Walt uh, and you know, they're just talking and he's like, yeah, my leg has just about healed up from that boar <laughs> attack. And then bam, <laughs> you know, just immediately. Cause yeah, I mean, you, you think about him, it's like, like, what a, what a terrible, I think he even says in the episode, you know, like I, I'm having a real bad month or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, yeah, man. Oh man. Poor Michael. Yeah. <laughs> He's just trying to do his best. I do love the, for Michael, Michael and Walt, this episode, just a little bit we get with them. I yes. think it's a really, I, it's one, it's another example of lost where, the whole episode, we got a lot of conflict going on, a lot of uh, things not as they should be. You know, it's frustrating and there's struggle. And then in the middle of it, we get this little grain of just, you know, just a nice father son, a few nice father son moments mm -hmm. um, where you, you really like what they did with Walt, where he's you, you just you can't imagine what that would be like. Your dad gets beat up. And you're like, what, what in the world? And, and then your dad says, this guy hates me for some reason. I thought that was really well done where, mm -hmm. you know, they talk about that. Um, and then 
just the conversation when it turns to what did your mother say about me? Once we get we get this little insight into the relationship, which we'll get more later when we get their flashback episode, but just it's it's heartbreaking, but it's also sweet because you know Walt doesn't know his birthday, but mm-hmm. he wants to find out. That's that, really nice. That's one of my favorite moments from the episode honestly the Mm -hmm. the dynamic between the two of them like i feel like it feels i don't know it feels really realistic these two the father-son relationship that is just beginning uh and being forced to kind of figure itself out you know on an island the two of them you know are just flat out saying to each other like well i don't know a lot about you you know um and i love i just love the birthday line and the fact that michael does know his birthday Mm -hmm. um and the way he turns it around like when's mine you know um Mm -hmm. and then of course in the end you know like when is your birthday is is such a sweet uh way to turn that around you know and, Mm -hmm. and kind of show you know it's it would be easy for them to be frustrated with each other. Like they're stranded on an Island and the only person they know, uh, there is someone they don't really know. Um, mm-hmm. that would be super frustrating for both of them. Um, and I just love the way they kind of set that, that story. They, they progress the story even in just like one or two really little scenes in this episode. Um, yep. yeah, they, they lost, you know, is such a good series at telling so many stories at once. That's one thing that I'm really amazed by in this rewatch, um, yep. how they can be, you know, forming all of these characters, um, even in episodes that are not centered around them. But... It's how to do an ensemble cast well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there are ensemble shows you'll watch, and it just doesn't feel, you know, that they have an ensemble cast in quotation marks, but certain cast members you're like i don't really care about who who is that why why are we spending time with them i don't that they haven't done laid the groundwork to make you care mm-hmm. lost you care about all these characters i mean basically already it's six episodes in i don't think there's one where they've done a disservice to i mean even like you think about claire she's barely been in there but you care about her mm-hmm. she, you've they've developed it in small scenes they developed like sawyer even though, you know, we haven't, Sawyer's intriguing. You want to know who this guy is, but they're saving it. So it's really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, just slowly developing it. And then obviously they do a lot of work in those flashback episodes. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so the good news of Lost, once again, I'll, I keep coming back to it. The good news is, the bad news is Michael and Walt had to spend uh, they don't know each other very well. The good news is they have a chance now because they're on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a nice little moment. Definitely. But anyway, getting back to Jin and Sun. Um, so we're, we're, we've come to the point, really, in both on the island, off the island, where Sun has to make her choices. Um, and in the, fla- in the flashback, we discover... Um, the pivotal scene, which this is a doozy of a scene where um, Jin comes in uh, all bloody 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just uh, that's one of those scenes that is so memorable, and you re- remember it. I mean, it's it's how can you not remember? It's such a the 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 look on Jin's face when Sun finally slaps him, and then he looks at her. That's just <laughs> makes your hair stand up because you're like, oh my goodness, this is this is messed up because yeah. now you realize it. I mean, before it was like, okay, Jin's just working too much. I think this puts Sun over the edge because she's, oh my gosh, he's actually, he might be killing to stay with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, it's just, wow. Um, yeah. It's like, is this the same guy we saw <laughs> earlier? You know, like, mm-hmm. wow, it's such a dark, dark moment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely a very memorable, memorable scene for sure. I feel like I always have thought of this scene. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact line. I didn't write it down where he, you know, he says, I, I do whatever your father tells me to do or something along those lines. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm rethinking this scene a little bit in this rewatch, but um, I'm wonder. I'm curious about your thoughts. I feel like I've always thought of that line, almost like resentful of Son, where he's saying like, "I'm doing whatever your father tells me." Like you know, like he started this journey of, you know, he's gonna do whatever it takes to be with Son, and then this scene I always interpreted as him now he's become resentful of her Mm. because of what he has to do. Um, But I feel like, I don't know if that's quite it. I I wonder if it's just, um, not just, but I almost wonder if throughout this episode, you know, we're just seeing him become a hardened, you know, a, a worse version of himself because of what he has to do. And so that's him saying, you know, like, like he would say to anyone who asks him to justify himself in this scene, like, I am a man of honor, I do whatever my boss tells me to do sort of thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I can see it both ways. But I'm curious about your thoughts, like, uh, about, you know, what what is he saying in this scene? Or, or what are the dynamics at play? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it, I've had that thought too before, where it's like, Jin has grown resentful of Sun because her father is making him do all this harsh stuff. I don't think that's it either. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the line, the line is, I do whatever your father tells me. I do it for us. Mm. Um, the I do it for us part's important because yeah. I think in his head, he's come to the conclusion that I have to suffer for this. I just mm-hmm. have to, this is, this is, this is just life. This is it. There's no other choice. I do what your father tells me to do because I get to be with you. Mm. Um, he's resigned himself to that. So it's it's heartbreaking in that way because he's just, he's to, uh, no pun intended, he's lost. Um, <laughs> it's he, true. He really though. is. Yeah. The gin just, from the beginning of the episode is is gone in this scene. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's lost himself for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, I don't know if he's gone, but he's, 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 uh, that, that intention is still there where he's like, I'll do anything for her, but it's become polluted by her Mm -hmm. father because he's just, Oh, you'll do anything. Okay. 
beat the snot out of this guy as we find out that's what he's doing eventually he's Mm -hmm. sending messages um so then of course that's the moment where son you know she makes her decision right then i think we because as we see in the next flashback she's she's leaving him Mm -hmm. uh and i think it in her she when she looks into Jin's eye in that moment, I think that's really important because I think she looks into his eye and she sees her father. Yeah. That's kind of what I think of it as, because she's like, Oh my gosh, he's become my father. I can't be with him anymore. Cause she knows what her father's capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wonder so. if that's like her, if that's been her fear all along, you know, as, mm-hmm. as he shows, you know, I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, you know, like if she's, if in, in her eyes, she's been worried this is the path he would end up on, you know, like becoming like her father. Um, Mm -hmm. And now she finally sees like, yes, that, you know, she determines that's what has happened. Um, Yep. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And that's the reason at the very beginning, she's like, that's her biggest desire with Jin. I want to elope. I want to get away from this guy. It's not just that she wants to be with him. She wants to be away from, her dad right um and so in the scene you know we get the flashback where the woman's asking her, are you sure your husband you and your husband can't reconcile that's why it's like mm-hmm. he's he's my father i can't i can't be with a guy like that um so it's just it's not she she sees no other choice um and i think it's interesting that the woman then tells her, you know, she's explaining to her what she's going to be doing. And she says, once you, you know, get in the, get in the car and then you lay low for a little while, then you can go. The line is, um, you can move wherever you want, Mm. which that's what son wanted to begin with. I just want freedom. Um, because she's been living with her father for too long. And now she's been living for Jin with Jin for too long where she's just stuck being passive now she can act now she can be free right um so yeah that's what it is and an interesting i love you know like i love the little details you see especially in the um in the flashbacks in this episode because they cover a long period of time of their lives um but i love in in that scene before the the lady asks her you know like do you have are, are you all ready to go and all that stuff um you see the dog on the couch mm-hmm. and it's so much bigger um, mm-hmm. than in the previous scene. So you can tell it's not just, she made like a, um, this wasn't a quick progression of events. This was like a long period of time um, between, you know, at least between him giving her the dog. And then, you know, when, when she's going to leave, it wasn't just a quick thing. Um, it was her finally coming to this point of saying, I need to go, you know? Um, and I just love the, the way they kind of subtly like show, um, you know, the dog is much bigger than it was in that previous scene. Um, time has passed. Um, she, she's had enough now. That and the fact that she learned English, um, that's true. It takes a while. Yeah, yeah, lesser. I think a le- you gotta take a second to appreciate. I think a lesser show would have done, uh, you know, a Chiron that says three years later or something. Mm. Um, but that's good writing. That's okay. The dog's older, subtle, 
And also the fact that they never explicitly say in that flashback, have you done your lessons? They say it. And then we find out that she speaks English now. So you put, put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't spell it out for you, but it's, it's really well done saying, Oh, okay. Yeah. There's some time that's passed. Clearly she's been mulling this over for a while and it's a big decision that she's resigned herself to. Um, but uh, yeah, well done. Well done. Mm-hmm. Lost guys, lost creators. Writers. Um, I just love when when a series doesn't, you know, when they when they give some of those like uh, exposition, like they it's not just flat out spelled out where it's like son says to the person. Yeah, well, I've been learning English for the last however many <laughs> months mm-hmm. or years or whatever, you know, it's, um, you know, you just kind of insinuate from all that stuff. Oh, she's had enough time where she's been able to develop the skills she would need to be able to go um wherever she wants at this point um yeah i I just love stuff like that so yep yep so son obviously she's made her choice it seems like in the flashback and also on the island we see her in a similar way making a choice um where she's sitting there her husband's basically uh burning in the sun and she sees Michael and she's like, okay, do I communicate with them or do I not? Um, and I think it speaks volumes in that, you know, in the flashback, she has the choice. She In the flashback, she seems to be resigned to leaving her husband. But on the island, she makes a choice and she does in the flashback too, but she makes a choice to save him basically by mm-hmm. talking to Michael, um, which it shows that even though this guy is, she doesn't really care for much what he's become. He's, she still loves him enough to, you know, go to Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And I think her first, I, I should have written it down again, but the, her first line in in English is something like, I need to, I need to talk to you. Um, And it, you know, I mean like that, a great first line for her in English to speak because it shows, you know, um, she only, she finally reveals that she can speak English only when she like needs to, you know, like it, it uh, even just in the simplicity of that line, I need to talk to you. Um, shows that she's only doing it because she has found no other way to help her husband in this scene, you know, in this, in this uh, situation. Um, She's forced to kind of uh, put her cards on the table, at least for someone else, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. she can, in this scene, she doesn't have to reveal it to everyone, but she can get what needs to be done by at least communicating to one person and Michael um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, it, you know, I mentioned that I had forgotten a lot that happens in this episode. For some reason, I was thinking this was the episode where like everyone finds out yeah. that she speaks English. And I totally forgot that, you know, only Michael knows for a while. Um, and that's just a, just kind of an interesting tidbit about, <laughs> you know, the first season that I, that I'd forgotten that whole dynamic, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that same thought. I think that that scene is such a 
more memorable scene than the scene with her and Michael. That's Mm -hmm. why I I, I was thinking, oh, is this the one? And then I was also thinking, is that already? (laughs) Okay, it's it's coming. It's coming along still. Yeah. But yeah. So. So she tells Michael and uh, Michael um, agrees to help her, agrees to, you know, bury the hatchet or bury the axe, if you will. (laughs) Um, That scene. (laughs) <laughs> I think I, I like that scene because it's just Michael's had it rough, man. And he just finally gets to have his moment where he just lets loose. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Time doesn't matter on a dang island. You know? um, <laughs> that's great. another that's another one of those scenes you wonder about, you know, if any other uh, of the survivors had seen what was going on there <laughs> like yeah oh, oh my gosh is that guy about to kill that guy you know <laughs> yeah where's saeed when you need him right yeah exactly um but so that gets resolved um for now kind of a resolution but at least jin's not handcuffed into a, a thing anymore yep. um but i think the the main the, the best moment of the episode and the last one I think we have to talk about here is the moment in the airport mm-hmm. um, at the very end. In the flash flashback, we see Sun standing there. And it's eleven to fifteen, and she's at just this moment. Both times I watched this episode um, before talking here today, I just it's such a like you're saying great acting that just the emoting on her part is just mm-hmm. brilliant. It make it, it just, you feel it. You're like, Oh my gosh, you, you really, uh, you really believe you genuine, believe you genuinely believe that this is a woman who's about to make a life changing decision on the verge of it. And it's just the weight of it. Um, which I think is just brilliant. And, mm-hmm. uh, then the, you, you see her kind of going back and forth. She even takes a few steps toward the door and then she looks at Jin, and somehow Jin is holding the flower. <laughs> good, good job just bringing that out there, Jin. You saved your marriage. <laughs> I don't think you know. <laughs> by holding up the flower. That um, was a close one, man. But <laughs> yeah. but I think it's a really beautiful moment. I don't know. What, any thoughts on your end? There? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's such a another just beautiful moment. Yeah, like. I walk about the the final scene and walk about is one of my top moments of the series, mm-hmm. but this one, you know, has, is, is, uh, uh, kind of has echoes of that because it, um, is such a beautiful, she's, she doesn't want to leave, you know, she's, uh, she feels like she has to, it almost seems, you know, like the way she plays that, uh, scene, it feels like, you know, as she takes the steps forward, it's reluctantly like, yeah, this is going to be life changing. Her family is going to think that she's dead if she leaves. Mm -hmm. And, um, the fact that, um, the way, the way both of them play the scene is perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. but the fact that he looks over at her Mm -hmm. and then kind of smiles a little bit and holds out the flower it's perfect because it's just that's what she was hoping to see in all this time was that he could still be, he could still care about her enough to do something 
you know, he's trying to do all these big things, uh, the things that he thinks he needs to do. But what he really needs to do is just show her his love. Um, And a, a simple gesture like that, you know, to say like, oh, I know that this meant something to you in the past, you know, giving you a flower. That's what I want to be able to do today as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and I just love the fact that, you know, it's throughout the episode, you know, they've been hinting at the flower, um, and that meaning for her, uh, being associated with him at the beginning of their relationship. And yeah, it was just, just perfectly, uh, played and, um, both actors did it, did it so well, you know, it, um, it didn't need to have all this dialogue or anything. It's largely just the two of them silently, you know, in this airport. Uh, but yeah, it, it perfectly encapsulates the whole episode. And man, what what a crazy thing to think that, you know, I I love whenever there's a flashback that's right before the, the flight, you know, in the crash. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy to think like, oh, you know, they they almost weren't on the plane, you know, like if Sun had gone away, Jin probably wouldn't have boarded the flight, you know, he would have mm-hmm. been searching for her. So they mm-hmm. almost didn't, you know, crash on the island because of this. Um, but because they decided to stay together, then, or at least she decided to stay together, um, you know, that kind of sealed their fate in that moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just think mm-hmm. the the kind of irony or like the, the feeling of that as you watch the scenes that are right before they board the plane are, are always interesting. Uh, I love the way they play those, but I think it's significant that they chose the fact that she chose to be together. She chose to stay. um, That's what led them to, you know, this moment where they can actually be together Mm -hmm. as we'll find out throughout the series, you know, the island's actually kind of a blessing for them. Mm. Um, and so I think that's significant. But yeah, I like what you're saying. There's not a ton of dialogue in that scene. But the dialogue that there is in that scene, the line that I just, I find so, it's it has such, it's so weighty, is when, you know, when Jin asks Sun, why are you crying, basically, or says, what's wrong? Mm. And then Sun, she has the flower and she says, it's too beautiful. Uh, yeah, um, that that speaks. That's that's because in that line, you're like, you. It, I think that that's when it clicked with me. You know, it's it's like, son, you understand why she wants to leave. This guy has become her father. He's become this terrible. You know, just he's never around, and when he is around, he's just a monster. But she she sees him holding that flower. And I think she, she comes to the realization that, oh my gosh, this guy has become has become something that he's totally not, you know, for he, you can debate about, you know, it's, it's not good, obviously, that he's become this monster. Mm-hmm. But the reason he's become this monster is for the same reason he gave me that flower to begin with. It's because he loves me, you know? Mm-hmm. And she sees that and she's like, oh my gosh, how could I leave this guy who's given up so much for me? He's given up who he is, basically. He's become something completely different out of maybe a misguided, but a 
love for me. And I mm-hmm. think that's why she says it's too beautiful because she sees the weight of his sacrifice and she's like, I can't leave you. Um, so it's a really beautiful line. Just mm-hmm. has a lot of significance to it. Um, she's like, how could I have thought about leaving this guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it really kind of symbolizes too. Yeah. Like there's ultimately there's maybe still hope, you know, that, that he could um, still be that guy, you know, yeah. that, that she fell in love with in the beginning, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely a beautiful scene and such a good, such a good storyline throughout the episode, the way they, they, it unfolds and they tell it. Um, and it's summed up perfectly in that scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Great symbolism with the flower becoming more and more weighty as the episode goes on. Just brilliant in that <laughs> way. So, well, that's Jin and Sun, and man, that, can't wait to talk about more of those Jin and Sun episodes because those are such. It'll be, I mean, you could go on and on about Jin and Sun, but I think we've, I think we've done them justice. I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to talk about between the two of them in the episode. I think that covers it for this one. Yeah, I'm excited for for the future ones as well. They're yeah. great characters. Well, how about we uh, how about we take a break and then uh, we can talk about because believe it or not we've we've gone on for about an hour I think but there's other stuff in this episode. Um, <laughs> there's a lot in this episode. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we can take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the rest of House of the Rising Sun. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back to See You in Another Life, brothers. Um, so we've talked about Jin and the Sun, House of the Rising Sun. Uh, great episode as far as those two are concerned. But, uh, of course, there are other characters, believe it or not, um, with some stuff going on in this episode. Um, so we have our group of Jack, Kate, Locke, and Charlie. They're going out to get uh, water from the caves, as we found out Jack found in the last episode. Um, going out there, and then hijinks ensue with uh, those bees... Um, <laughs> crazy, crazy times. Um, and then, uh, Kate and Jack run off and uh, start beating the bees with their shirts. Um, and then we find those, <laughs> we find Adam and Eve, right? Um, oh yeah. In the cave, which I think we should touch on that. It just, uh, interesting, uh, that it, you know, we do eventually discover, who those two were. I don't think we need to talk about that mm-hmm. way down the line. I think this is probably the longest, well, not the longest running, maybe longest running mystery they had on the show. Um, that it they is crazy. Gave resolution to. Yeah. They set it up in episode six and I think resolve it like, like three episodes from the finale or something like that, you know, or even pretty, pretty close to that. They explain it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as Locke puts it, our very own Adam and Eve, um, people who are here before us. And I think when he gives that line, I think it's interesting that um, they do cut pretty, I think they cut right away to Kate. Mm. Um, And I think that line kind of, because she later references that line, it it triggers something in her almost. And she's like, it bothers her that uh, two people um, 
lived clearly lived on this island, died here and uh, a long time ago. And I think something about that rubs her the wrong way. Mm. Um, but so I think that brings us to sort of, we get a lot of interesting things going back and forth between Jack and Kate. Um, as they, you know, they get the water and they're heading back from the caves. Um, here we get Jack um, saying, looking at the caves and being the the pragmatist he always is, as long as he's not, um, you know, this is, by the way, this is Jack in his right mind and not burnt out Jack. He's, you know, it, we're, we're not to burnt out Jack yet. That'll be a few episodes down when we get another flashback. I was about to say, he, what, He's got clear eyes, you know, he's he's totally fine because he's gotten all of it out of his system in the previous episode. This is Jack at his best. He's he just gave a great speech to everyone, and so now he's just thinking about how he can be a leader. Um yep. this is I mean, like, yeah, this is the first time I feel like um in the series where it's like, oh yeah, he like we were saying earlier with he and Saeed, like, oh he's he's kind of running things, you know, he's trying, he feels comfortable in the position of leader because he knows what he wants to have people do. You know, we, we are getting water from the caves and then throughout the episode, he develops the idea of like, we should be living in the caves. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's actually, he's actually fitting in the shoes of a leader pretty comfortably here. Um, but yeah, it's, it is funny. Like, yeah, he, He's in his right mind here. He he's gonna start simmering pretty soon, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that he is in the full mind mindset of the leader, as he says to Kate. He says a lot of people are still hoping a rescue boat is gonna show up. They aren't thinking about their own safety. We're gonna have a lot of convincing to do. He's he's convinced that you know, he's looking for the the way to keep everyone alive, and he's like, we have to live in the caves because there's water there. I mean, makes a ton of sense. It's totally practical um but kate has a problem with it um clearly she's not convinced um doesn't want to live in the caves and jack finally asks her she's like are you coming and she says i don't want to be eve mm-hmm. i just can't dig in which is really it's really inter- interesting and i wanted to ask you about this because i've always struggled with kate's motivation um, cause if you think about who Kate is and what, you know, her backs, she's a wanted fugitive who was in trouble. She was being taken basically to, to a court date and possibly prison time mm-hmm. before the plane crashed. Um, then the plane crashed and now she's free on the Island. I just, I, to me, it always has struck me as kind of weird that she wouldn't want to dig in on mm-hmm. the, you know. But of course, you know, we also know that Kate can't stay in place one t- for too long in one spot. Um, so I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? What What's going on with Kate? Yeah, there. it's interesting. It, it almost, yeah, like it feels like because she can kind of start over here, you know, and that's been kind of a theme so far for her, like the, the her past life doesn't have to define her now on, on the island. She gets a little bit of a fresh start, but... Um, so it it does feel like it should make sense. Like, yeah, let's set up a home here on the Island. You know, it's, it's fine. But I, I wonder if like the symbolism of it 
is what bothers her. You know, the, the idea of settling in that community in one spot instead of sitting out in front of the open ocean and, you know, having almost the, the feeling of opportunity and freedom there Mm -hmm. rather Mm -hmm. than going back to something like, um, civilization. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It feels like it is interesting and maybe it, it almost feels like it doesn't make sense. Um, and that's, we're kind of with Jack in that sense. Like why, why, (laughs) you know, are, are you making this choice? Um, but, uh, but yeah, she, for some reason, feels like she has to be um, on her own sort of path. Um, maybe that's something about it. You know, like she needs to forge her own way rather than going with the group. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting kind of division between the, between the groups here. Um, and just like in, in the, the idea of the division of the group, uh, one thing that I thought was interesting between these two leaders, you know, Jack and Saeed kind of wanting different things. It's interesting. The, the end of this storyline at the end of the episode, it feels all of a sudden like Jack has embraced his uh, role as a leader to the point where it's almost like he's campaigning for office or something. Yeah. Cause he's like going around and shaking people's hands. Like, like, Hey, I've got an idea. We got to go to the caves, <laughs> you know? And, uh, all the all of a sudden, it just gave me the vibe that he's like, uh, you know, campaigning or trying to move people and all that stuff. And I don't know. I just thought that was kind of a funny, um, funny turn for his character in this episode. But um, mm-hmm. it totally makes sense. You know, he's trying to just move people to safety and what they should be doing. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So yeah, yeah. It is interesting. Um, the division, like you're saying, and you see Saeed, his perspective on it is, I don't, I, I won't admit defeat. Basically, <laughs> he's like, I'm not gonna, we're gonna get rescued. And even Sawyer calls it, stay here with the optimists. Um, it's sort of, we're gonna get off of here. We gotta go. We got, you know, something to get back to. Um, and going back to Kate for just a second as you're talking it's interesting I think I think there's one thing I'm going to pay attention to as we keep going with the series and we keep watching more Kate's flashbacks I think with Kate her motivation really starts to become clear when you live in her world um, and you start to see you know um, and we'll get into this more but it seems like everyone from her flashback who loved her either betrayed her or left her Mm. um and maybe that's it maybe she just she can't dig in because if she digs in she has to dig in with other people and she just thinks they'll betray her but anyway we'll get into that more um but clearly as the as they put it at the end of the episode i think the willie nelson song at the end there (laughs) are you sure this is where you want to be it's a really interesting song um because it's, it's a song about being at a bar with, you know, a bunch of other people who are lonely. Um, and it's really, these are a bunch of people who are alone. Um, and, but they don't want to, you know, if they can't live together, they're going to die alone. And we're seeing 
a lot of individual lonely people just sitting there. They're clearly, they're not together. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, interesting, Mm -hmm. but, um, it could even, you know, it's as I'm just thinking about, like, if I trying to think back to when I didn't know what was going to happen with lost, that could almost feel like a really ominous, um, ending for the episode hinting at, you know, like, is something bad going to happen to one of these groups? You know, like, are you sure this is where you want to be? Like they've both kind of decided we're going to settle in this part of the Island. Um, and the caves, you know, are, are a new place, you know, deep inland in this Island with a monster and all that stuff. Like it would be a pretty, pretty interesting move if like the next episode was, you know, like the monster attacks the people in the caves or something like that, you know, but Mm -hmm. Um, just a thinking back to like when I didn't know what was going to happen in, in, uh, the following episodes and stuff. Um, it kind of gives it almost an ominous feel on top of that, you know, kind of somber, like everyone's kind of alone, but together feeling as well. But Mm -hmm. yep. Pretty ominous, but that's lost. Always a bit of an, there's heartwarming, there's tragic, and then there's just the moments where you go, what? Um, <laughs> they always so, got to end a little bit that way. So, Got to be a bit of a cliffhanger to keep people coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, so that's Jack and Kate. We see at the end of it, they wind up separate. Um, one in the caves, one on the island. Um, still a wall kind of between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... That brings us to the other duo in the episode we can talk about a little bit. Locke and Charlie. Um, Interesting things happening between the two of them. Um, As we find out, Locke discovers, Locke learns something about Charlie. When Charlie stands on the beehive, he (laughs) sees that he's he's doing his drugs. Um, (laughs) Which that scene, um, as I was watching it right before we started recording today, I want to see what you think of this. But I've always thought it was weird. Locke's eyeline in that scene. Have you ever noticed that? Where Charlie's standing on the beehive. And Locke isn't looking at the beehive. He's looking up. Hmm. Um, which I've always thought is weird. The beehive's down there, man. I'm like, is he looking at Charlie in the eyes? But it doesn't seem like that with the way it's shot. It, it looks, it, I don't know if it's bad blocking or whatever, but it's Locke's looking up. And it got me to think, is he looking at Charlie's guitar Huh? in that scene? Is that what he's, I, I kind of, it's almost like, is he looking up? is he seeing Charlie's guitar? Um, hmm. Which would make sense because he, Basically, you know, as we keep going through their storyline here, um, Locke, you know, then after the whole B incident, Locke tries to reach out to Charlie and he says, I know who you are. I know what you're looking for. Um, Locke's basically using the fact that he knows where Charlie's guitar is to get him to give up his drugs. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's. I just think, I think it's kind of interesting, the whole eyeline thing, but. um. I, yeah, I I think regardless, like, 
I yeah. love the the interpretation that maybe he that's when he saw the guitar. I think no matter what, he definitely found the guitar early on, yep. you know, so that he could throughout the episode, you know, kind of play the long game with with Charlie, but yep. um either way, I think in that scene I love I love that you pointed out that his focus is not on the beehive because um if if he noticed the guitar, he's uh, formulating a plan for Charlie in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he's just looking at Charlie, that also just shows that he um, cares about Charlie and yeah. less about, you know, like bee stings and all that stuff. Like it, it could be really a bad situation, you know, if, if the bees get loose, obviously, as we see, but he's more focused on, um, Charlie, like, what are you going to do? How are we going to get you through not only this dangerous moment, but also, you know, your current situation that's ongoing beyond this. Um, I love, I love Locke's concern for Charlie in this episode and the way he, um, you know, like explains away, like we need to, we need to always stay within each other's sight line and yeah. all of that stuff. Like, I, I just love how he kind of doesn't overtly let, you know, Charlie know, like, I'm just making sure you don't do drugs. Um, but is, you know, Charlie could kind of guess maybe he's on to me, you know, from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, when it becomes clear, that's what um, he's been doing all along. I just love that reveal. Um and the fact that Locke, you know, gives Charlie an opportunity in this episode to not run out of drugs, but to choose to give them up instead. Um, like, such a powerful thing for him to do. Um, and then, the I don't know, the, the shot of Charlie spotting his guitar is just a beautiful moment, you know. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot in between these two characters in this episode alone, but then definitely in the episodes to come that I love. Uh, and the way they set up the dynamic between the two in this episode is is really, really cool. Yeah. And I agree. I love the first time I've wa- I watched these episodes, you know, the Locke and Charlie thing, the moth, as we'll get to next week, one of my favorite episodes because mm-hmm. of that, you know. I hate to do this, but to play a bit of devil's <laughs> advocate here, yes, it, it, this this scene, these scenes are so conflicting to me because on one side, yes, I agree, this is beautiful between the two of them. There, Locke is doing something for Charlie, something great for Charlie, in that he's getting him to, you know, uh, he says, "You can, I'm going to let you make your make your choice." instead of running out and having to go through it's it's you choose um at the same time i think it goes back to what we're looking what the way we interpret that scene in an interesting way is he looking at charlie or is he looking at the guitar um because if he's looking at charlie it's what you're saying it's like he cares more about charlie but if he's looking at the guitar there's an interpret the way you can interpret this this whole uh storyline 
is that Locke is basically manipulating Charlie into becoming I, I don't it, it, there's is there a monster influence on this basically is what I'm saying hmm. where where Locke is playing on Charlie's weakness he has something Charlie wants desperately he knows where the guitar is and he's he's basically he says at one point Charlie asks him how do you know I'll find the guitar and he says because I have faith Charlie hmm. he doesn't really have he knows where the guitar is it's basically like he's holding it over his head. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he says, give it up now. At least you'll be your choice. I know a lot more about pain than you think. Locke is, in one way you can see that as noble. In another way you can see that as sort of manipulative. Mm -hmm. And then, but I think the line that really hit me um, is when Locke says to Charlie, this island might give you what you're looking for but you have to give this island something. Mm. And I think that one, that, that just felt weird. Yeah. It's like Locke is saying it's the island when really it's, you know, he knows where the guitar is. I don't know. It's interesting. It's like with, with Locke, there is, it's sort of like there's a duality within him where on one side, like, um, like when he's reaching out to Jack in White Rabbit and he says, you know, he's basically he gives Jack the motivation he needs to be a leader, which is great. But on the other side, he also says, I've looked into this island and what I saw is beautiful. And we know what he's referring to is he's looked at the monster mm. and the monster is deceiving him. So on one side, Locke, I think, you know, and it's kind of what we're talking about with Jin and Son, where Jin has noble intentions um, he wants to do anything he can for Sun. Locke wants to do anything he can to connect with people. He wants to show them the hope that this island can bring. But I think his intentions are tainted mm. by the monster in that it, he's just, there's there's something in there. I don't know. I, well, does, I this, think... does this ring in any bells to you or I don't know? I think that's totally true. I think there is there is something weird about the the line, especially you know this island will uh, needs you to give up something before it can give you you know the guitar or give you what you want. Um, it almost feels like you know when someone is going through a tough time and someone says like God helps those who help themselves or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like where it's mm-hmm. like sh- sure your your intention might be noble but you know like that that kind of sets up the person on on the wrong trajectory you know in in some ways uh you know it depends on the situation or whatever but um yeah you know it it kind of feels tainted in that way i think uh what what feels to me like the thing that ruins or you know just kind of uh taints uh Locke's intentions in this episode the most is probably just to me his ignorance of what is you know like what is actually going on like for him so far he really thinks the island is a magical place I've seen something beautiful at the heart of it you know and um this island will provide and maybe the island is providing 
through me in this or something, you know, through me finding his guitar or, you know, doing all this stuff. And ultimately like, yeah, it's, it's good. And by the end of the episode, it seems to have gotten Charlie, at least, you know, if this episode was where we end that storyline, it's gotten him to a good place. Um, but yeah, there is an element of if Locke found that guitar from the beginning and then he's doing all going through these hoops to get Charlie to give up the drugs and stuff. There is an element of manipulation to it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. I think there's also the line that kind of trips me up where Charlie says to Locke, you don't know me. And then Locke says, I know a lot more about pain than you think. Hmm. There's a disconnect there. It's subtle, but it's like, Charlie says, you don't know me. And Locke just says, no, I have, I have painful experiences I know about. It's sort of like the difference between uh, sympathy and empathy. Mm. That I've, I've did a little talking about that before with some people. But sympathy, Locke, Locke is sympathizing with Charlie. And like, oh, I know what pain is like, Charlie. And I can help you through this. But he doesn't know Charlie's pain. Mm. He's, he's, he's ignorant of Charlie's pain. Um, and, and so he, he's sort of just skirting around that. And it makes me think about the fact that, you know, later on in the show, it is interesting that we have these great moments between Locke and Charlie in these couple episodes, um, where Locke is helping Charlie basically through this, but then their relationship never blooms beyond that. Mm-hmm. Because you know, it's it's one of those where you think about Charlie actually grows to hate Locke mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. He, he can't stand him. Um, which you, you think about that. Why didn't that go anywhere further? Um, and I think there's something to that where Locke just there was the disconnect. Locke is too consumed with the, what he thinks is the the island is telling him to do that he he's looking past the person. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes me think maybe he was looking at the guitar. He was looking past him. I don't know. It, there, there's multiple ways you can interpret this. Um, I think it's a good thing, obviously, that Locke is helping Charlie. So like you're saying, it, you can interpret it as beautiful. You can interpret it as tainted. I think there's a mix of it. There's the tension that's lost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, well, and and I think, you know, in... And even just this episode, you know, an episode that almost appears like, you know, Locke has done exactly what he did for Jack, you know, in the in the previous episode, you know, helping get these characters where they need to go and all this stuff. I think it's really a cool choice for the series that Locke does not become, um, he's, he's never this character who is just like, oh, I... I can see beyond what everyone else sees because I've seen the island. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not like this perfect, wise character, um, you know, because he's seen the monster. Um, and, you know, like like we know, like he, he saw, you know, actually the villain. Um, it wasn't this beautiful thing that he thought it was. But, um, like, as the series progresses, we see that, like, Oh, Locke has a bunch of issues of his own. He's not, he doesn't, um, he's not this perfect wise character because of his connection to the island or anything. Um, And I just think it's a cool choice that they almost set him up to appear that way 
at the beginning Mm -hmm. um, so that as the series progresses, um, it's more meaningful when you realize like, oh, oh, there's some, you know, some errors to this guy as he's trying to navigate the island as as all the characters have flaws. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's cool to see the beginning of um, the dynamics between Locke and Charlie because, yeah, they they will go through some ups and downs. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I like that. I love that Locke is not perfect. Um, they could have made him the wise old, you know, like a, I don't know why I'm thinking of Harry Potter, Dumbledore type where he's like, he's perfect. He's basically this um, elevated character, mm-hmm. um, but he's not. He's, we're, we're, we're on ground level with him. We're seeing it through his eyes. We're coming to understand it that, you know, there's good and there's bad with Locke. I think the good outweighs the bad ultimately, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an adventure with him for sure. So definitely. Yeah. And well, um, I think we could go on, but there'll be plenty more to talk about because we will talk about more with Locke and Charlie in the next episode, the moth, which is one of my favorites season one. Um, mm-hmm. Such a good def- episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a lot of fun, but uh um, but I think that about wraps it up unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about with this one. No, I think we, I think we covered it. There's, this is another episode. Yeah. Where there's just a lot going on. All three of those kind of storylines and, and even more, you know, I mean, yep. uh, Saeed, uh, Michael Walt and, um, Sawyer, like all the different dynamics. Yeah. They're, they're putting a lot in there and it's fun to, to see all these stories begin to unfold, but I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, to the moth next week. Yep, and I'm looking forward to talking to it with talking about it with you. So it'll be a lot of fun. But uh, until next week, uh, we will see you in another episode, brothers. Goodbye. Mm, bye.